We open once again with today's numbers. 28,420 local cases of COVID were reported on Wednesday, most of them in the greater Taipei area. New Taipei's case numbers surpassed 10,000 for the first time, while Taipei had more than 5,500. With confirmed COVID cases crowding the medical system, the CECC once again adjusted the age criteria for hospitalization. Effective immediately, adults with mild symptoms can only be admitted to a hospital if they are at least 80 years old rather than 75 years old. And unless there's a special circumstance, mild cases should only be kept in the hospital for a maximum of five days. Let's hear from the CECC. We're adjusting our policy on hospitalization. Of course, severe cases and moderate cases will be admitted to a hospital. Previously, adults with no symptoms or mild symptoms were also admitted to hospitals if they were 75 and older. But now we're raising that minimum age to 80. That's not to say that everyone aged 80 and up will absolutely be taken to a hospital. If you're asymptomatic or have just mild symptoms, you can also stay at home if that's more convenient for you. People below the age of 80 with mild symptoms or no symptoms will not be hospitalized. There are exceptions, such as pregnant women who are past their 36th week of pregnancy. The CECC also reported five severe and 72 moderate COVID cases on Wednesday, as well as five COVID-related deaths. One death was that of a woman in her 20s who was fully vaccinated and boosted and had no history of chronic illness. She died six days after her COVID diagnosis. She is the first young adult in Taiwan to die from a severe case of the disease this year. Taipei has launched a drive-through COVID test site at the Beitou Shilin Technology Park. The outdoor station offers free PCR testing for people who tested positive on a rapid antigen test. On opening day Wednesday, long lines of vehicles extended hundreds of meters from the test site. Arrivals reported having to wait at least one hour to get tested. Taipei officials say arrivals can reduce their wait times by making an appointment before visiting. This medical worker hands a questionnaire to this family at the drive-through PCR test site. It's just 9 in the morning, and there's already a long line of vehicles stretching back hundreds of meters. Medical staff hurry to open a second line. They divide arrivals into those with an appointment and those without to try to shorten the wait. But chaos and confusion are the order of the day. This scooter cuts all the lines and heads straight to the screening station before meandering its way to the wrong entrance. The main challenge was that most people came without an appointment. Without a reservation, each car needed 10 minutes to complete their requisite forms. That led to heavy congestion at the entrance. There was a very enthusiastic turnout today, but most of these people came without an appointment, so they had to fill out the registration paperwork. There's a lot of information to fill out. This caused a very obvious delay. As long lines of cars wait outside, the PCR test station sits empty, with medical workers standing idle. The contrast between the two scenes is stark. 
It was the opening day of a makeshift PCR screening clinic at Beito Shilin Technology Park. The station is divided into three lanes, one for drivers who need medication, one for drivers who don't, and a third reserved for pedestrians. We may change the layout so that it's just two lanes that both dispense medication. We'll make adjustments on a rolling basis. This is the first time we're trying out an emergency clinic that's outdoors, so we'll make rolling adjustments based on the needs of the public. Open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., the testing capacity of the site is projected at just over 1,000 people a day, although that too is subject to change on a rolling basis. Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe, who is working from home after exposure to an infected case, is keeping tabs on the new test clinic over video conference. We need to make it clear to the public that this is a screening clinic specifically for people who already tested positive on a rapid test. This is an emergency clinic. People are asked to get PCR screening only if they have a positive rapid test and to make an appointment so that they don't waste time in lines. Officials aim to get the new test site running smoothly as quickly as possible. Taiwan has received 2,000 samples of Pfizer's COVID vaccine for children. The free samples arrived on the China Airlines flight early Wednesday morning, and they'll be used exclusively for research and testing. The vaccine will not be administered to children until Taiwan starts to receive its order of 2.2 million doses from Pfizer. The CECC expects to receive 770,000 doses in the first batch. Later in the day on Wednesday, Taiwan received a shipment of 1.1 million doses of Moderna. In related news, the CECC has updated its post-vaccine health checkup system on the messaging app LINE to allow minors to register. The system, called Taiwan VWatch, provides information on what side effects to expect and which symptoms warrant seeing a doctor. A delegation of young Japanese lawmakers is in Taiwan on a five-day visit. They arrived on Tuesday and were hosted at a banquet by Foreign Minister Joseph Wu. On Wednesday, they met with Taiwan's premier and vowed to fully support Taiwan's membership in the CPTPP, an 11-nation free trade agreement. They also made their way up to a mountainside grave to pay respects to Taiwan's first democratically elected president. A delegation from the youth division of Japan's Liberal Democratic Party made a trip up Ujin Mountain on Wednesday. They lined up before the tomb of former President Li Danhui and bowed deeply three times. The head of the delegation, Ogura Masanobu, posted a tribute to Li on social media. He hailed Li as a great statesman who promoted Japan-Taiwan relations, one who has the respect of many Japanese parliamentarians. The delegation arrived in Taiwan the day before. Foreign Minister Joseph of Wu held a banquet in their honor at the Taipei Guest House. This is the first delegation of Japanese lawmakers to visit since the start of the pandemic. The purpose of their visit is to strengthen the relationship between Taiwan and Japan. The director of the youth division typically goes on to become a minister or the prime minister. We're taking this delegation very seriously. They're the rising stars of Japanese politics. When meeting the group, Premier Su Zhenchang pitched Taiwan's membership to the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. 
If Japan strongly supports Taiwan's participation in organizations like the CPTPP, that would be to our mutual benefit. We in the democratic camp ought to mutually assist one another to prevent our totalitarian and autocratic neighbors from arbitrarily launching wars. With regard to Taiwan's membership in the CPTPP, we will coordinate with other members of the youth division to offer our greatest support. With regard to the WHO and the International Civil Aviation Organization, we will also provide assistance and support as soon as possible. Ogura emphasized that he would support Taiwan to the end. He said he was grateful to Taiwan for lifting its ban on food imports from five Japanese prefectures. He noted that he had informed former Japan Prime Minister Shinzo Abe about this trip. On Thursday, the delegation will meet President Tsai Ing-wen, Vice President Lai Ching-te, and Legislative Speaker Yoshi Kun. They will make stops in Taipei, Taoyuan, Xinzhou, and other cities and counties to broaden their understanding of Taiwan. Former ambassador-at-large Mason Yang is currently in the Czech Republic for the fifth time. She recently visited the tomb of former Czech president Václav Havel, a great friend of Taiwan. In 1995, Havel spoke at the United Nations General Assembly and called for Taiwan's entry to the UN. He also led a delegation to Taiwan in 2004. Yang paid tribute to the former president and expressed thanks for his support of Taiwan. Our reporter Stephanie Yang is in Prague with the details. Holding flowers, former ambassador-at-large Meixin Yang bows three times in tribute to President Václav Havel. She thanked him for his contributions to Taiwan-Czech relations. When speaking about Havel's courage, Yang was moved to tears. I'm very happy to finally be able to come to the grave of President Havel today to pay my respects. I think that many Taiwanese want to show our respect and admiration because he was under the rule of the Communist Party and yet he dared to speak his mind. His influence made a difference in Taiwan. Yeah, I respect him. Haval, a writer, poet, and philosopher, was once imprisoned for his democratic speeches. He led Czechoslovakia in 1989 in overthrowing its communist regime with a nonviolent Velvet Revolution. Later, he became the first democratically elected president of the Czech Republic. He served in that post until his retirement in 2003. In his writings, he also encouraged Czech people to say what they really want to say. That is, for the Czech people, he demonstrated very strong strength and leadership, enabling the Czechs to stand up and become an independent nation. Haval also spoke at the UN General Assembly in 1995 in support of Taiwan's membership in the UN. In 2006, more than half of the Czech House of Representatives supported Taiwan's participation as an observer in the World Health Assembly. Haval also led a delegation to visit Taiwan in 2004. Yang met Haval twice. She said that she was deeply moved by Haval spirit and determination. I met him twice, but I came to the Czech Republic four times. Actually, China invited him to visit many times. He personally told me he wanted to go to Taiwan and was not going to go to China. He respected the willpower of the Taiwanese because we are also on the front line. 
Our position is also very clear. So I think he also feels that our values are the same as his. We in Taiwan are isolated internationally, and we need to have more friends. I think of all, Yang donated a 150th anniversary edition of an Aunt Petrov 275 concert grand piano to the Royal Dauphinim concert in Prague. The Czech Philharmonic will hold a concert at the venue on May 4th. During her visit, Yang aims to not only pay tribute to President Haval, but also to deepen the friendship between Taiwan and the Czech Republic. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Huang Ritsun in Czech Republic. U.S. Senator Marco Rubio has introduced a bill to speed up weapons sales to Taiwan and strengthen bilateral military cooperation. The bill is titled the Taiwan Peace Through Strength Act of 2022. It calls on Washington and U.S. defense contractors to fast-track arms sales to Taiwan. It also asks the U.S. to establish a comprehensive joint training program to improve Taiwan's defense capabilities. Experts say the bill was initiated after the Russia-Ukraine war broke out to deter a Chinese attack on Taiwan. Fight literally on the front lines of the PRC's hybrid uh, warfare. So we've partnered with Taiwanese authorities on this, civil society organizations, to support uh, independent fact-based journalism. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Beijing was using the free and open media of democratic systems to spread propaganda and disinformation as part of its hybrid warfare strategy. He said Washington was working with Taiwan's government and civic groups to fight disinformation. In another show of U.S. support, Republican Senator Marco Rubio introduced the Taiwan Peace Through Strength Act of 2022 on Tuesday. The bill calls on Washington to fast-track military sales to Taiwan, as well as establish a comprehensive training program with Taiwan. The training would include full-scale military exercises to achieve, quote, interoperability. The bill asks the Pentagon to annually review the U.S.'s plans to defend Taiwan in war. It requires that Washington spend $2 billion U.S. dollars per year from 2023 to 2032 on military aid to Taiwan. The bill also proposes several amendments to the Taiwan Relations Act. Currently, the act states that the U.S. may provide, quote, arms of a defensive character to Taiwan. The bill wants to change that to, quote, arms conducive to the deterrence of acts of aggression by the People's Liberation Army. It brings up a crucial point, which is that if there is no cooperation during peacetime, it'll be hard to work together in wartime. This is something we have learned from the Russia-Ukraine war. We need to accelerate our arms deal processes. We need to accelerate cooperation on Taiwan-U.S. military exercises, etc. All bills need time to take shape. Let's backtrack a little. About two months ago, the Russia-Ukraine war broke out, and that's when Rubio started formulating this bill. It shows that members of the U.S. Congress consider Taiwan to be more important than Ukraine. At a recent forum, former Under Secretary of Defense Michelle Flournoy issued a warning about Taiwan. She said that if Chinese leader Xi Jinping gets re-elected at the 20th National Congress, he will likely turn his attention to annexing Taiwan. Flournoy said that Washington's top priority should be to deter a Chinese attack on Taiwan over the next five years. That legacy includes, first and foremost, the reunification of of the mainland in Taiwan, is how do we meaningfully improve our ability to deter that aggression in the next five years? Have to educate the American people of why should we care. 
Flournoy said that the U.S. had to raise awareness about Taiwan among its public to rally support for pro-Taiwan policies. Lawmakers and medical professionals are asking the world to support Taiwan's participation in this year's World Health Assembly. In a press conference on Wednesday, representatives from medical groups said that Taiwan's exclusion was a loss not only for Taiwan but for the global community. This year's WHA is slated for May 22nd to 28th in Geneva. Taiwan has yet to receive an invitation. It's been excluded from the global forum since 2017 due to political pressure from Beijing. Clenching fists and shouting slogans, representatives of 20 Taiwanese medical groups and bipartisan lawmakers make their appeal. They're asking the global community to support Taiwan's participation in the World Health Assembly. Once again, we're calling out to the international community. The WHO cannot be without Taiwan. Taiwan should participate in the WHA. Taiwan's absence is a loss for humanity. The 75th World Health Assembly will be held from May 22nd to 28th in Geneva, Switzerland. Due to pressure from China, it's been six straight years that Taiwan has not received an invitation. In April, U.S. Deputy Secretary of State Brian McKeon had met the Secretary General of the World Health Organization in Washington. During the meeting, McKeon made a push for Taiwan's participation in the WHO as an observer. Japan's foreign ministry also supported Taiwan's inclusion in the latest edition of its diplomatic blue book. We want to remind the international community once again that the people of Taiwan are excluded every day, and that is unfair to us. Taiwan's exclusion is not only Taiwan's loss, but also the loss of the international community. We're asking that these international medical bodies, such as the WHA and the WHO, include Taiwan. Taiwan's foreign ministry released a short video on Taiwan's medical work overseas. The film aims to win international support for greater Taiwanese participation in global health care. Doctors are putting out a reminder about getting vaccinated against pneumococcus. Pneumococcus is a bacteria that can cause pneumonia and other diseases. It can be life-threatening, especially among young children, older adults and those with chronic diseases. Doctors are urging the public to get the pneumococcal vaccine to reduce spread. The 23-valent pneumococcal vaccine is covered under the national health care system for people 71 and older. Others can get the 13-valent pneumococcal vaccine at their own expense. The banks of a river in Hualien County have burst, creating a landslide dam and a large temporary body of water known as a barrier lake. Hualien Forestry Bureau is keeping close watch over the dam, which they say is unstable. Although the nearest villages are not under threat, they urge people not to approach the lake. When the dam eventually bursts, it will unleash a powerful torrent of water. A drone glides over a lush green forest in Zhuoxi Township. Right in the middle pops up a strip of sparkling blue. The side of Fengping River recently collapsed, pushing earth across the river and creating a landslide dam. Our officers went up to inspect the area and found a landslide on the Fengping River in Zhuoxi Township. The landslide covers an area of 1.7 hectares. 
we currently estimate that the barrier lake covers 1.84 hectares. That's the equivalent of 38 swimming pools. Hualien County's Forestry Bureau has evaluated the dam and brought in heavy machinery. They're relaying important information to other agencies so they can manage the river and implement disaster prevention measures. The dam is unstable. It could collapse after one heavy rainfall. It seems right now that it's about 15 kilometers from the nearest village, so there's no immediate danger. We ask tourists and local residents not to approach the river, because as soon as the dam bursts, there will be a large outflow of water. National Chenggong University is helping the Bureau keep tabs on the dam. Even if it bursts, it won't pose an immediate threat to the two villages about 15 kilometers downstream, Tausa and Swasol. Nonetheless, the dam is a ticking time bomb, they say, and officials urge the public to keep a safe distance. Today is May 4th, also known as Star Wars Day. As most diehard fans know, May the 4th is a pun on the film's iconic quote, May the Force be with you. Here in Taiwan, some 80 devoted fans took to the streets dressed as characters from the franchise. This year, because of the epidemic and the weather, we lost at least half our participants. We've got to take pandemic precautions during the event. So I asked every Star Wars fan to keep a mask on. And before coming out here, I asked this guy here to spray everything with disinfectant. I'm a fan, so he invited me. Today, I'm Luke, and I'm carrying Master Yoda on my back. Since the release of the first movie in 1977, the Star Wars franchise has spanned three generations of fans. In Wednesday's parade, parents and their young children were seen marching together in Star Wars garb. Lawmaker Zheng Pong was spotted in the crowd dressed as Luke Skywalker.